Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Let's turn to Ephesians 1. The Apostle Paul is in prison, and he says, And I don't cease to pray for you. And while he's praying for them, this is the prayer he says that he lifted up for them. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So first thing he prayed for him was that they would have wisdom. What's the Bible say if we lack wisdom, who should we ask? Ask God. Because God knows everything. God knows who the right person is. God knows what career you're going to be fulfilled. And he knows whether you're even going to stay in that. You might start in one career and shift to another, and that will springboard you to another thing. So we need the wisdom of God. Paul's first prayer is, I pray that they have wisdom and revelation of God. And then he says in verse 18, And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you might know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now that, just that next sentence, I, that was all one sentence. That sentence is so power-packed for, for our faith. Think about this. That he says, I pray first that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Okay, so so that he says, so that you may know what the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. I'll break it down into three things. These three things are powerful. I, I mean, if someone just said, I'll pray for one of those for you, I'd be stoked. But to have him pray all three of these, think about if you would like these three things prayed for you as a believer. First one, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, opened. You know, light would, when light comes, we can see clearly. Without the light, we're, we're straining in darkness to see. But he says, I pray your eyes would be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Let's start with the first one. What is the hope of his calling? Does, does it give us any hope to know what God has called us to do? One of the things is written in the scriptures says, make your calling and your election sure. And the kids always say, what's that mean? I said, it means... Seek God and say, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? What do you call me to do? He has different callings for different people, doesn't he? Some person he might call to, to work in Sunday school. Someone he might call. Someone else might be called to be a missionary. Someone else might be called to be, you know, an evangelist. Some people are called to do administration. Some people, I can see two of them right there on that side. They will have the gift of helps. And when you know you have the gift of helps, and you use your gift, there's something about using the gift what we were called by God to, to do. It is satisfying to our heart. We, we, we get the greatest satisfaction. If, if your calling is to teach Sunday school, and you do it, 
Because God just put it in your heart to be there with those little kids. It's funny how the people who are called to do Sunday school, even though it takes a lot of energy, and boy, to most people it could drain them, they come out more energized and more excited about the Lord because they saw how God used them to pour out the truth into these little lives and to help their lives, you know, and they, they get all excited. The worst thing you can do is put somebody doing Sunday school who it's not their calling. Try to get somebody to do Sunday school and it's not their calling and the kids are going, ooh, we hate that teacher. He's horrible or she's horrible, you know. She, she's, she doesn't want to be with us. We can tell. She, she, she just hates it the whole time, right? You put the wrong person in, in the place where it's not their calling, it's not satisfying to them. They're not going to be fulfilled. But when you do your calling, even though it, it, it does take energy to do your calling, it does take work. I'm not saying it's, it, it, but it's a different kind of work because it's what you were made to do. When you do what you're made to do by God, it's fulfilling. And the first thing he prays for this church, Paul the Apostle, is that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling. You know, there's one great thing about knowing what God's called you to do is it gives you great hope, a hope in you because you know there's a living God that he's going, I want to use you. I, I, I have something for you to do. You know, some of the older ones at church asked me, well, I don't know if God wants to do anything with me. I'm already old. I tell him, you know, the, the scripture says that if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for that person. Let them lay hands and pray for them. And the prayer offered in faith will restore that person who's sick. I always like to point this out because sometimes as people get older, they think, oh, I'm not needed. And I'm thinking, that's baloney. You are needed. And God confers a, a greater privilege. He gives the honor of praying for the the, the, those miracles that need to be done to the, to the ones I believe that probably spent the most time praying. They've lived enough life that they've had to pray a few times and they've seen God answer prayer. And then God says, I'll put a few of those silver-haired ones together because, boy, you put a couple of them together and they pray for something and stuff gets done. They get answers. Even as we get older, he, he still gives us a hope of his calling to use to, to be used in, in what he's doing. Now, whatever your calling is, I pray that God would enlighten the eyes of your heart, that you would know the hope of his calling for you. Because when you know the hope of his calling for you, it, it just, it, it's a great place to start. There's a great joy, a great hope when you do your calling. And then the second thing he's praying for them is that they would know the riches of God's glory in his inheritance to the saints. How much riches does God have for us in his glory? When he said, talks about the inheritance of the saints, what we're going to inherit. Are we going to be paupers when we get to heaven? Are we going to be poor boys when we're up there? No, he says we're going to be gifted the inheritance of, of the Lord. He's got an inheritance for us that he's going to give to us, I, I think. I can't wait. I mean, God is not poor. 
You know what God uses for the pavement on the streets in heaven when we read about that in Revelation? What's it say the streets are paved with? Pure gold. He makes gates, these ginormous gates, and each gate of the 12 gates of the new city that we read about, the new Jerusalem, each one is carved from one pearl. This is the part of our inheritance. He says, I pray that you would not only know what God's calling is for you, that you would not only know to have wisdom what it is that, that, that he wants you to do, and the revelation of him, I don't just pray for that. I pray that you would be enlightened to know his calling and that you would know the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, of his inheritance of the saints. How rich is God? How big an inheritance does he have available? Does, does he go, well, I only got a few presents up here. I got to kind of be careful. I'll give a, one little one to Roy. Nico might get one. I'm going to give you one little, little toy. That's it, right? When we get to heaven, you think he's going to be broke? How, many, how, how great of the riches do you think God has waiting for us? Paul said, I pray that you would know his riches. Now, why would he want us to know the riches of our inheritance? Why would he pray for a whole church to know that God has an inheritance for you? And how great is, in, is, is his inheritance? I can tell you one thing I think comes to mind from the words of Jesus. Jesus said, don't store up your treasures on earth. That's where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven. No one can take them away from you. No moth can, or rust can destroy, no thief can break in. And steal. He, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your, your heart will be. See, we like treasure. We're wired for it. And God knows what we are. And God says, I've got treasure for you. My treasure is going to be eternal. You get to keep it forever. My riches are way beyond what you're... I mean, think about it. God made all of that we see, all the whole of the earth, the universe, the, says he holds it in the span of his hand. That's from the tip of the pinky to the thumb. That's how big the universe is compared to God. God says, it's about that big. You know, from here to here. That's how big the whole of the universe. And we're, if we only knew the greatness of God's inheritance for us, how much he has for us, I don't think we'd be fighting over this little petty stuff. We'd be like, that's nothing. Don't fight over that. You know, it would change our attitude. We would realize, I'm, I'm actually quite well-to-do when you when you consider the eternal perspective. I, I have a whole treasure that awaits me in heaven. And I try to teach the kids, when it comes to treasures in heaven, we want to store up as much as possible. You know, it, it motivates me to know I can put more treasure in my heavenly bank account. I can, Jesus said, you give to even a little one, a, a cup of water. You take this little cup here and you give this to someone in the name of the Lord. If you give it to them in his name, Jesus said it's like you did it unto Jesus. And he says, and he won't forget. He'll reward you for that. Every kind act that you've done in service to the Lord, Jesus says he sees that. Because if we just realize what a great inheritance we have awaiting us, it would help us not be so petty 
with this stuff down here. What a beautiful prayer Paul's praying for these people in Ephesus, that they would know the riches of the inheritance that we have that awaits us. If we just knew that, it would change us. We wouldn't be fighting over stupid stuff. We'd be like, it's okay. I got a big treasure waiting for me. This is just stuff for this temporal time. I'm only visiting the earth, by the way. My citizenship is in heaven. See how great a love the Father has for us that he calls us, what? The sons of God or the children. We're his children. He has an inheritance waiting for us. We don't need to get petty about this stuff. We got a big inheritance wait awaiting us. But see, not all believers know this. They don't. Now, should we fault them and say, oh, you're so stupid. You didn't know we had an inheritance? Oh, you didn't know that the eyes of your heart need to be enlightened to know the things about the Lord and, and his wisdom and his knowledge and, and the hope of his calling? You, you didn't know that, you stupid. Is that how we should treat one, one another when they don't know? No. Paul, this is the church for certain, shows me they didn't know to start with. But it didn't stop God from helping them grow. And, the, and God just kept sending them more things to learn about him, like that they could learn, that they could learn, that they could ask God about anything, that they could know that they have hope in God's calling. They could know they have riches. And the last thing that they would know the surpassing, this is verse 19, the surpassing greatness of God's power towards us who believe. How much power does God have to use towards us? When we're in a bind, does God go, oh, I don't have enough power to rescue. Sorry, you're on your own. No, God has power to, to toward us that, I mean, beyond what we could ever think or imagine. We can get ourselves in some pretty big predicaments, can't we? And thank God we have a God that has surpassing, surpassing amount. He's not like a little wimpy weakling Hermes and Zeus. And, and then they had the lesser guys, you know, and they were always fighting with each other. They were like kind of like ankle biters, I call them. They, they didn't have much power. They were just annoying when you read the Greek mythology about some of these guys and that's not the God worth serving. Not one of those weak guys. We're talking beyond Zeus, their greatest of powerful gods. We serve the living God. And how much power, how much, how much is the greatness of his power towards us? Does he just go, I ran out. Sorry, can't help you. Never. He prayed that they would know how much power Power, the surpassing greatness of God's power towards those that believe. He's got power for everyone who believes in him. What's the Bible say? If anyone calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. How powerful is that? If you ever get into trouble, I always tell, uh, well, because the guy that led me to Christ taught me this. If, if you're ever in trouble, just call on the name of the Lord. There's more power in the name of Jesus than any other name. And that name has surpassing greatness of power. When it comes to power, guys, that's the name. You get in trouble, just call out Jesus' help. Let me tell you, there is surpassing power, superpower available to us that believe, isn't there? I mean, we call on the Lord. How many of you called on the Lord when you're in a pickle and the Lord gets you through? I mean, he comes through in ways that 
some people tell me the testimony, I'm just like, isn't that cool? The power of God, you know, sometimes we're stuck in a real predicament and we're like, God, I can't get out of this. And he goes, does this crazy miracle that we're just like, no one's going to believe this. That was so great. And you're just like, that's the Lord. Now, people tell me sometimes, you, you have that happen all the time for you. I wish it happened for me like it happens for you. I said, you don't really want to be in the predicament that I'm in. You know, you don't want to be in the pickle where, where, where it's that bad a situation. You need a miracle to get through. You just want miracles without the trial. But I've gone through a lot of trials. One thing that I've come to learn, I think, I think God put me on the kind of on the track to learn what, what Paul's talking about when he talks about these things, that you get to know the surpassing greatness of God's power. When you, when you see God deliver you out of a trial and another trial and then a super big trial and then another, and then you see your friend go through a different trial. It's even, man, that's a biggie. And he delivers them. Now for me, that builds up my faith. Because Paul prayed we would know what the surpassing greatness of God's power is towards those who believe. He has surpassing. When it says surpassing, that means beyond what we think. Beyond. And yet, how would you like someone praying for you these things that you would know the surpassing greatness of God's power? That you would know it. You'd be like, oh yeah, I've seen God. Anyone seen the miracle that God has done where he demonstrated his greatness, his power in it could be toward your life or toward someone you know. See, all these things that the American church is getting sucked into, to, that they're making a big emphasis on about, you know, guys, we need to know about the promises and claim the things and, and name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, you know, believe it and receive it. They have, there's a bunch of these guys teaching these things. And I'm thinking, it's all... They, they turn all the focus on us, how great we are, how we can achieve, and how we can have such a great self-esteem because we are just, it, it sounds like a big love fest on me instead of on him. All the focus starts to go, it, it's funny that there's a worship song that came out, it's not about me, Jesus, it's all about, it's all about you. We got to put the focus back to it's about the Lord. If you just know about him and how great he is, how, how much does the Lord love us? If you know that, you really know how much he loves you. Something happens in your heart. It, it dispels fear, dispels the anxious feeling. You know, when you know the Lord loves you and he's with you, no matter what you go through, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. How many of you know that verse? The Lord said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake Is that true? Does he ever leave us? Does he ever forsake No. How does that affect our physical body? Like when, you know, when our, our friends are stressing out because everything's going wrong and, and they feel all alone and, and they feel lonely. The Lord, it says, is with me. Even though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me, right? He's with me. I don't need to be afraid. I, it saves me so much stress on my physical body, on my mind. It puts it at, at ease. That even though there's, and I'm not saying there isn't trials, because there is. It's just I have 
this knowledge that Paul is talking about here. I've had a taste of this, what he's talking about. That he's praying for them. I've got the taste of what he's talking about. And I pray for all of you around the table here, and all that listen to this later, that they too would come to know this surpassing greatness of God's power. Because if you know that, you know how great and powerful God we serve. When something bad happens, it changes your perspective, doesn't it? You go, it's okay. God can handle this. God can, he can move mountains. Jesus said, if you had faith, about as big as a mustard seed, right? You guys know how big a mustard seed is? About, about the size of a tip of a pencil lead. You just hit it on the table, made a little mark. That's about how big a mustard seed is. If you had that much faith, you could say to this mountain, get up and be removed, cast into the sea. Move it, and it would obey you. I said, Lord, help my faith. I mean, that's, I haven't thrown any mountains in the ocean yet. But I have seen you do some pretty neat things. So maybe I'm working on a quarter of a grain of a mustard seed. You know, but Lord, help me to get knowledge what Paul's talking about, about you. Because the Bible says, as we learn of him, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we hear about God, our faith grows. The more you hear about when your friend was in a trial and they prayed and God answered that trial. And because we forget there's people all around us going through trials. And God, our God, is a very big God. He can be hearing that person's prayer for one thing and your prayer for another thing. And he's at work in all of us. And he is great. The, the scripture says he is great. And greatly to be praised. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Draw me ever